welcome to Board with Fins, a podcast about tabletop and board game nonsense with the gimmick that some of us may be Finnish. I'm not going to tell you which of us are, but my name's Tom, and I'm joined by Simon and Ita. Hi, guys. Um, hello, hello. Hello. Um, I also may or may not be Finnish. Mm. Yeah, I, depending on your definition, I think. I think we should just keep the mystery just going. As long as possible. Yeah, yeah, like sort of Twin Peaks. Who is? <laughs> the, Maybe none of us are. Is it, is it only one Finn? Are I've, they all Finnish? I've never seen Twin Peaks, so I don't understand that reference. But then again, I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to see any proof of that. Uh, for those in the studio, a haggard old man stares at me from across the table. That's just the PhD talking. It's yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, how are you doing, guys? I am definitely still <laughs> tired and thankful for Simon for bringing so much golden glitter into my apartment last weekend. And I only feel mildly bad about the microplastics I've put out into the world. Oh, you're so plastic because all of my glitter is eco. I don't. Mine is the, the stuff you get from Tokmani. I have no idea. I think the, the stuff that I have is based on, I think, aloe vera. Like, it, it is biodegradable, like, and... I mean, maybe mine is too. Yeah, you don't know. Maybe most maybe stuff might too. actually be now. Why do you now? hate sea turtles so much? Simon? I literally forgot that it should be eco-friendly. I should think about it being eco-friendly when I <laughs> went and bought that yeah. on Saturday right before I came to your place. Yeah. All right. Uh, never mind. Well, while you're thinking about what you've done mm. to Mother Earth, how about we talk about some games? Uh, how about it? All you right. Get what us started. Have, what have you been playing? Spoilers. And I don't want to leave you on a cliff edge, but it's a game that we've all played together. Have we set this up beforehand? I won't give it away. Um, but we've been playing Dogs of War which is a pretty old kind of Kickstarter game. I'm trying to remember the, the designer's name because that seems something that professionals would mention at this point. I think that's the thing that I can I know on most board game shops, yeah. they go like designed by this and this, right. published by these, and we just go, well, it's a game. Yeah, I think our unique selling point, if you will, is just we're all just a bunch of filthy casuals. Yes. Like I don't know anything... <laughs> but but we turn up and we try, and I'm that's the main thing. Infinitely willing to Google while being recorded. Uh, it's designed by Paolo Mori. Of course, famous Mori, for other, other famous for games. surely other games as well. Mm. The I li- can tell you which ones. Oh, I think I actually know. Um, Let one me of make a is, guess. One of them is Blitzkrieg because it's super similar to Dogs of War. Hmm. You are correct. But it looks like shit. Interestingly, he's also the designer of Pandemic Fall of Rome, which sounds interesting. I've never heard about it. They may, they, there's like six so many pandemics, yeah. It's not like pandemic. a historic version of, of Pandemic where you fight off the plague in like ancient Rome. Yeah, it's well, I think so. Dic- or yeah. it's just chlamydia based. I don't know what was ancient Rome. The Black Plague? I'm trying was to do I don't, I'm gonna, I don't think so. I'm going to... If we ever get into history, I'm going to reveal my deep lack of knowledge of history. I think it's I, I don't think it has any diseases in it. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I assume so. It's just a pandemic. With here's Rome. Yeah, it's pandemic, but the disease that you're fending off is other tribes. Mm. That mm. seems mildly so racist. It's a little bit of it's a genocide kind of pandemic. Mm. Then. Mm. Okay. Well, I'll keep it. Keep an eye out for that, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like in. Uh, Use the cards matching the tribe to convert other members of that tribe into Roman soldiers. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm. So, yeah. so, so slaves. Con- convert is a very... So people who look different from you 
kill them and make them your slaves. Great. Or I'm, I'm glad this is going into our inaugural. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Where we, <laughs> where we talk when, about maybe specifically. We said we were going to be casual and not mention who designed the games, and now we've done a deep dive on Paolo Mori's games mm. and decided that this one in particular needed attention. <laughs> <laughs> Look, society needed us to make a stand, and I think we need to say now mm. that both genocide and slavery is bad. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm just going to hold my hands well, up. That's a bold, that's a bold statement. That I know statement. a lot of animosity from mm. that side of the room. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, how about we? I swerve away from slavery, and we do talk about dogs of war. I or, was. Or, or you want to go back to slavery? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound bite of the like. It's yeah. an unfortunate turn of phrase, but I had to say. <laughs> yes, um, dogs of war, hats of war. Yes, let's talk about those hats of war, as we've lovingly called it, just because the plastic miniatures in it are almost 100% excessively large hats on busts of people. The aesthetic is impeccable. But I'll tell you for the reason why I got this game, which is mega out of print because it was kickstarted a million years ago. Um, It was a kind of, would you say worker placement? Kind of. You put a worker down, you get something kind of thing. Uh, But tug of war kind of game. And this because we were sort of into King's Dilemma you know, moving scales, noble families, weird factions. I was like, and also backstabbing, and we can just like, you know, hate each other, which is the kind of the best, the best games for me, rather than using tactic and skill, <laughs> which I of which I'm terrible at. Well, that that requires planning and knowing the game, mm. and just overall overthinking. Whilst backstabbing, you can just do in the moment, just not like not it. think, not pay attention, just stab. Yeah. And I'm all for any game that you can win by just convincing people to be on your side, which is what Dogs of War also allows. It is true. Uh, I don't think I've ever successfully convinced anyone to be on my side. In any game. In any ever. game. Yes. Um, always, always kneecapped. But you, you have kind of made that for yourself. That's 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 self-made problem because Look, one, a... for the, you do tend to win a lot of games where people where you're left alone. You have a tendency to win those games. Am I? Am I? Am I right? No, this is completely correct. I'm yes. just a sweet baby boy, mm-hmm. and all I want in these and games is just to be not kicked. And yet, you guys come in with your big boots. And yet, you also often win, even after complaining for six hours that everyone has ganged up on you and destroyed oh, your ability that. to win. It's a, it's a gift. You've never, it's you've a never gift. seen a smaller violin than when Tom <laughs> loses one point in a game, ever. It's a travesty and it should never happen. Look, I take it badly and I don't apologize for that because I care about the games that I play. Some of us need to care. Sure, you play games for fun. But what's the point of that? That sweet, sweet victory. That's what you go for. And then also just complaining. Complaining for one to two hours. Uh, The thing that gets me, you even complain when you win. I think last time we, we played another game we might talk about today, Wonderland's War, you complained that I was cheating the entire game. And I, I, came, I believe I, that to be the case. And I came last. And Tom won. <laughs> I came dead last. And Tom was like, well, here we go, I was cheating again. And I'm like, You're I'm right. so last. If I was cheating, why would I be this bad? I, don't, I is, thought you were playing mind games. You know, I thought there was, there was it's like wheels the, within wheels. That's like the saddest thing when you find out someone who got third and a quarter final in the Olympics actually got busted for steroids. And it's like, 
why did you why didn't you do a higher dose why didn't you liver king it <laughs> you could have just yeah so but that could just be that you're bad at cheating maybe not that you're that you weren't cheating like you could have been cheating and it could have just been still just shit just shit okay <laughs> I'm so shit at games that even when I cheat I'm last <laughs> yeah. anyway just to give you a brief kind of pitch of the game I guess yeah. if people don't know it um, so the setup is that there are six warring families, noble families, uh, on the board. And over a course of a few years, you play mercenary captains and you commit your armies to fight for one side or the other in these ongoing battles. You get victory points by placing a captain down or getting resources to help next year's fight. And basically whatever noble house wins each year will move up this kind of influence track or victory track and you can also get victory points by getting influence for houses that win so basically if you fight for a winning house and get influence then they're worth more points at the end but you can also get points through other means and year by year you need to keep rebuying your army so you're going to be putting down soldier cards you're going to be putting down your uh, hats <laughs> your massive hatted mercenary captain and yeah, so kind of picking, okay, do I want points? Do I want influence? Or do I want money? So like next year, when the fights really matter, do I have the best kind of soldiers? And when you put a soldier down, there's like three kind of battle tracks. So it's tug of war. People can obviously put their captains against you or with you and you get bonuses and benefits like that. So it's very kind of wheeler dealery, kind of worker placement, kind of uh, negotiation backstabbing kind of thing and then kind of working out who's in the strongest position and the best bit I think is that you don't know who's winning and I think every time I've played I've been super sure who's winning and who will win and it was never that person yeah like it's it's like oh well I really need to stop I need to stop Seymour he's yeah. just getting he's just getting too far ahead and then it comes out it's like no I, I was doing terrible exactly. but I, I also <clears throat> like I we've played it a few times and I I really enjoyed Dogs of War. And like you said, you don't know who's winning. Like, even the first time we played, I somehow won the game. Yeah, and funny. I had no idea I was going to win the game before the last round. Like, I <laughs> It was didn't, a surprise yeah, even to you. It was a surprise surprise even for me that I, I won that game. But I think that's just down to not having played it before. Like, when you play a game for the first time, it's just tricky. But I like the amount of, like, if you when you play more times, the sort of wheels within wheels situations where... Because you get these influences for the different houses and they will give you like lots of points at the end. Like everything that gives you like point more points at the end is just good in all games. But then when you need a faction to win, but the worker placement tile things you get from it is just garbage for that turn. It's like <laughs> no one will help you make these people win now because yeah. they will get nothing. I thought you really hitched your wagon to uh, another friend who was maybe investing in the world's largest army. And then you went, I'm going to follow this guy around because he seems to have some really, really big guns. And so I thought I thought it was a tactical decision to play him like a fiddle. Um, it wasn't a tactical decision to play him like a fiddle. I just noticed that he was very open to telling me his plan. Mm. <laughs> and then I, and then I saw that, that, kind of, that kind of aligns with me. So I'm, like, I'm just going to like... Mm. Hitch my wagon to this, and then he didn't see coming that I again had How does this way keep more flags. To you? 
I feel like this is how it happens to you in TI, for example. I, I Look at that like, innocent face. Yeah. Look at how this could you not trust? Finnish or not finished face. Yeah, we'll Who never knows? know. We'll never know. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just. I just look like a trustworthy guy. Yeah, but That's you just think we play with the same people repeatedly. Yeah. You think people would learn? I have. Yeah, but I have. A, I have such a friendly aura. I, I assume listeners now realize who 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 they would want to be friends with, who they'd want to cuddle with out of us three. I just sound like the most cuddly mm. person, yeah. and then then I, I can't. Yeah, I have no counter argument yeah. to that. I no. yeah. I agree. But I agree. A, another thing I liked about Dogs of War is that yeah, it's kind of fighty, but also that that there are limited resources, especially the the soldiers, because mm. the last time we played. I happen to go before everyone else, and you can just buy <laughs> infinites of the cheap soldiers, which I think left the rest of the table unable yeah, to spend their money. Yeah, because I had just bought all of them. Like in real life, if you buy all the soldiers, people don't have soldiers to buy. Actually, uh, I'm going to correct that. I think I bought ten, but then the next person bought three, and they actually finished the spot. Oh, so, so it, was, it was their fault. Yeah, I mean, if you so buy the last okay. ones. Yeah, yeah, you were really the victim in this. <laughs> No, I think I cannot remember who it was, but someone also bought the like the biggest soldiers and then was left with them in his hand. I think and that was Jonas yeah. when we played because mm-hmm. yeah, he yeah. bought so many and he forgot that he was like just saving them yeah. for for just greedily saving for the, the big huge numbers fight. and never using the big numbers because he just wanted to have them more than yeah, play I th- them. I think and the then he lost the game because he never used his big numbers. Yeah, but I think the like. I think the scarce resources kind of encourage you to do that and then you get stuck in this feeling of like not wanting to save them for the last and then suddenly yeah. you realize you don't have enough captains and then you can't actually use them. That's mm. true. But I think it also gave us the most, like what I liked most was the most epic situation with the one house that everyone had been shitting on the whole game <laughs> and then I managed to talk people into like, yeah, let's make them win for absolutely no reason <laughs> at all just to like, let's just, for the, for the memes, yeah. let's make the... Put a spanner in the works. Yes, exactly. And that's where he put one of these like big guns just for just for the hell of it. And I think it even fucked him over in the end. But just it was good for the memes. Yeah, but it is good. like I like it that it isn't like solved. Right? There's no one good tactic because so so much is like random. Like the rewards you get mm. year to year are shuffled. The houses that fight each other shuffled. So you can think, oh, I'm gonna do this, and then you go for it and go, I can't do this. Mm. I think it's it's one of those games where you play it over like a few rounds. And I think at the beginning, but you hear like it's like three rounds or four rounds or, or however. Uh, it's, it's four, yeah, four years. Which four sounds, rounds. I think in the beginning, it sounds like very short because you're only going to do like the main thing four times. Mm. But I think it's like once you get halfway through, you're like, holy shit, there's like so many choices that I can still make. Whereas in the beginning, you don't really know what's what you even need. Mm. But it's good because it's not really punishing in that way because you can't have a, that much of a strategy other than get points mm. which anyone can get mm. but you haven't completely crippled yourself if you made the wrong choice yeah. early on which I think a lot of games maybe can be if you didn't make the first choices in the first three turns then that's it Yeah, and you, like you're just behind now yeah and I had the like my house that because you also in the beginning you're dealt a random house that you have like some beginning alliance to and the people I had beginning alliance to ended up losing I think both of their first two battles 
but thankfully in the beginning you cannot go down from the starting position you can only go <laughs> they're like, already worth minus one yes, you exactly. can't get lower than that oh yeah going worse than that that would be like just a yeah. death sentence for some people yeah. break. but that wasn't like because of that because it i could just take the last two three mm. rounds and then in the last games get them to make like it be worth plus points. Mm. It wasn't a big victory. I couldn't by myself change the situation because no one else except me was yeah. flagging <laughs> yeah. for those people. But it was, I could at least swing it a bit. Yeah, just a, a lonely soldier mm. fighting, fighting that side of the war. I really like that part of, of the game as well. Or like any game that gives you like some sort of like asymmetry in terms of well, this gives you asymmetry. You have like a different captain that has like mm. a mild power. That's a little mm. bit different. unless you're Tom's which captain, is, which yeah. Unless you're the the pink captain with the with a mushroom hat, which is just overpowered. Uh, Lady Macbeth be, is a powerhouse. Yes, and, uh, and I'm salty that we gave it to Tom. Tom knew it was the like OP one, and I he didn't, didn't pick, pick it because we just gave it to Tom because it was pink. I still maintain that Tom did some sort of you know how magicians can like show you a deck of cards and they can just make you pick a mm. card. Tom did that. Yeah. You, I, I just put it out, and then you picked the giantest, pinkest one. Yeah, but if you, because if you see Tom, the only, the first thing you think of is a giant pink hat. Yeah, because yes. I'm wearing one yeah, right now. Because he's he's it's basically kind of my, dressed uh, in a purple, um, pimp suit with yeah, a hat. Yeah. That is, I I cut a I cut a mean figure, <laughs> in, the, in the streets of Helsinki, a very mm. esoteric style. Thank you for pointing that out. But yeah, what I really like about games, or like I like it, can games give you like some amount of asymmetry from the start, even if mm. it's like a simpler game. If they can just give you a little bit of a like different start or different thing to think about, not like massively that you need to play the game completely differently, because then that's really hard to teach new people. Especially yeah. we play games with a lot of people who don't maybe play mm. that much. I'd say like we are the ones most into games in the mm. groups that we play with. Yeah, and then going with like. Like, I've been struggling with buying Root, which I'm sure you guys know about. I've been mm-hmm. thinking about flip-flopping between that so many times, but knowing that it's just a nightmare to get to the table with people who don't I, care about board games. But you have to, it's one of those board games I think you have to be really into it to get the most out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's people that really like Scythe. Mm. And it's like, I'm sure it's great if you really, really know the game. Don't, don't, get, like, don't get me started on Scythe. It's, <laughs> that's, it's, a, that's a whole that's episode a, on it. Such a though. missed opportunity with Scythe for the, the game designer. I don't know if the game designer of Scythe are listening, but I've got some notes. <laughs> <laughs> I have strong opinions that I'll now list over the next five hours of Please this podcast. No. Point one. It's Fuck du- you. It's a dumb name. <laughs> Point two. You use the mechs more. You give me cool mm. mechs and then they mean nothing. Uh, let's not get okay. Yeah, yeah. That's we'll save next week's scythe hate episode. Yeah, no, maybe not. Not start with hate. Um, so, Dogs of War. Anything you you want to add? Do you would you recommend people buy it? Is it a must play? I mean, it's hard I to get. I assume you, because it's. I it, assume it's mega out of print. I think it's gonna. Li- it's one of those games that's gonna live on, live or die, on the crowd you play it with. Because mm. there's mm. games I think we like because we're a bit shouty. But I know if you just played with absolute strangers and then there was no kind of tension of like oh I need to keep you on side but you're fighting me over here I hate you but I also need you to play that war machine that Mm. I know you've bought and then if you play it with a very dry group I think it would really kind of flop down I think that's the kind of limitation of it because the game is how you interact with everyone like there's no well you can try and play it economically but I don't know if that would 
be very entertaining. At least not to us. I think yeah. it might be for someone. But yeah, like, but yeah. I don't even like. It's not like oh, I had the best engine, so I won. It's mm. like well, no, because you need to somehow persuade him to also not go against you, you yeah. or yeah. her to go along with you. Um, so yeah, if you don't really get into the, like the theme of it or the the spirit of it, I think it would it would probably fall flat. And I think most of the games we play, and mo- definitely the games that we enjoy the most, are all games that require us to be a bit shouty. Mm. Like it, they mm. like games that we play live and die on the groups that we play them in, and they kind of like also because we bring from the many many games we played, we bring so much of like old animosity <laughs> and grudges. The meta and game like, is yeah. real. It is true, but yeah, I think we all are players who are like we don't like hate Euro games or like. M- massively chunky like engine mm. builders but mm. it's a little bit like at least that's not why i play board games or like it seems a little bit like one i need you need to know a lot about the game so it's, they, those games are harder to bring to new people mm. because if i you bring one of those to a new person the player who owns the game will just win yeah. because the other ones don't know the game at all i have kind of a very loose band of games that i'll call like pub games mm. whereas if can you bring it to the pub teach it during a drink and then actually play it there and have fun with people like in that sort of social environment mm. rather than you know I, I don't think a game that's very dry or very mechanical you're like hang on I've got I've got to trade this wood so I can get steel so I can yeah. oh god like I know there's good games that do that but that that mm. wouldn't be a good pub game for me which is kind of my Goldilocks area of what I usually buy mm. if I can bring it and like not there's games that I love that I would never bring to a pub mm just because <laughs> the, the tiny pieces that will be lost forever. But I was going to say, but I think you also need to be clear that you also bring dogs of war to pubs. Like, it's like... Uh, yeah, but I, I think it is a good pub game. I think it is a great pub game, but like, I think that tells you something about the crowd that you are, like, That's true. Playing I with. do go to bars. A lot, yes. of, a lot of people don't play in bars. They only play in seriously, serious, well-lit sort of poker table areas. And mm. it's, when that it's is also something I want to complain about when with Dogs of War. Serious games. Yes. That it was like, while it is a really beautiful game and I love the miniatures, it was completely unreadable in pub lighting. Like, the, yeah. Well, it's yeah. The, the that's fancy, why the, I the fancy card. Yeah. That's why I think it looks like an old game because I feel like the like color theme seems Alhambra esque. Mm. It's just. How it's, dare you speak when, against when I think, <laughs> the, when one I, of the greatest games. In my mind, when I think of that game, all I think about is like, I feel like beige and yellow is like the predominant color. Yeah, I don't think Kaisla Lighting was doing it maybe any not, favors. Maybe not. And I've seen With those I sweet 30-watt mm. bulbs. Mm. Which and a, a, def, a, a game definitely doesn't have to look pretty and have good like components for it to be good. Like no. There are plenty of games. So like I would rather take a well-designed game that's fun that's like shit components than the other than the other way around like a beautifully produced game that just has no gameplay in it to be fair i have also mm. been known to buy games just to paint the miniatures that's it yeah mm. but that's a huge thing. yeah also that's probably the cheapest way to get a lot of miniatures nowadays yeah, yeah. i i can see why they did i i know it does look a bit dull i think they did it just so it didn't like clash with the colors of the hats yeah but i do agree i mean could have put a also, bit more mm. into it. The colors of the hats. Why the fuck would you make the two people who look the same both yellow? Uh, in the base game, they're not, because one of them didn't exist. Mm. I'm just saying <laughs> when weren't. they added a thing, they made them the two most look-alike characters yeah. the same goddamn color, especially yeah. in pop light. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should. Re- <laughs> so we do like a 
real world rating for a game and then a pub lighting rating yeah. of how easy it is to like see things. Because I've also played Nemesis in a pub. Mm, yes. And that is just like 50 shades of black. <laughs> it's like, fair. you're like, what's that, what's that black lettering on that dark grey side of the board? If we're looking for like an angle first, at least something that I don't think any other podcast has had is like the pub lighting score yeah. of a board game. I think we should lean into it. Yeah. Pubability. Yeah. Pubability. The, 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 the pubability. Yeah, that could be a, a standing metric. Mm. Okay, so what is the pub- pubability score of Dogs well, of it's War? Well, gonna, it's going to lose a couple of points. What is, this, what is, what is the, the ra- average score? What Would is you... the grade? Like, what is the range of the pubability score? Of the pubability. Can we score it on like some sort of what's an can we score it on like um is there like what is an uncomfortably well lit pub in Helsinki and then what is an uncomfortably low level dingy pub and then that sort of sets the scale and then we just do we just name a pub that you could play it in comfortably <laughs> Oh, that would be <laughs> so think, good, but that would require a bit we, more. It would require a little bit set up to be like which pubs. But we are should like do main. that. But like on a scale of like, because there there are bars you like. Oh, this, this is too yeah, well lit. Is, I can see everyone mm. really yeah. well. I cannot remember. Like I know I've been in those in Helsinki, but I can't remember which ones that yeah. those are. I have to have a think. All right. Okay. Well, we'll have to come back to the pubability score yeah, once we have an actual scale in yeah, mind. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll really brainstorm this. But mm. um, we'll have to go to a lot of pubs with yeah, board games. Basically, through crippling sure. alcoholism, yeah. we mm. will. But we'll hash this out. Yeah, Dogs of War. Um, good game. I think we would all recommend yes. it as a game. Just mm. it's really unfortunate if you if you're taking this yeah. opportunity to go. That was a terrible yeah. game. Unle- so unless you unless you have. Terrible friends yes, only that you don't think will like this game. Yeah, with then the asterisk, you probably won't like this game. Yeah. yeah, and don't be too salty. Be a bit salty, yeah. but not too salty. Yeah. Salty enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. I then think mm. we could we could transition to a to a, a a different game game that I've been playing that I know what? that I've been playing with you that has at least the opposite problem of Dogs of War, and that's called that's Wonderland's War, which mm-hmm. is one a new game, and two looks phenomenal. Hmm. It is. This was also a Kickstarter. Please, please describe it's, it's, the aesthetic for me. Well, I'll, do not show me. Please I'll describe the aesthetic. But you have no visual imagination. I know. Have no, <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine the color. Imagine purple in either ghost. The word purple. No, no, like, <laughs> it's great. It's like it I, is the I most. Um, it's a little bit overproduced, meaning the board is huge. But I, it's, I already love it. It's really incredibly like vibrant. Like all colors are like it's and based on Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So like all the characters and everything are there as like different cards, and there's like all colors. Like the saturation is like up to ten, yeah. but not in like a bad way where they start clashing with each other. And there's funny. There's little tokens that you can easily tell apart. There's little Wonderlandian cards. There's little helper cards. There's different cards. Not too many cards, and they're all just beautiful. The only, I would say, if we start off with probability, color-wise very probable, size-wise not, because the board is huge. Mm. It, it is uncomfortably large. It is how uncomf- large is uncomfortably And I would say large. there's a lot of components. I mean that that for me is like. Maybe not the side. I mean, you say like, there's not a lot of cards, but there's a lot of chips. Like the whole game is chips. Okay, yeah, fine. It is. It is quite, quite a lot of pieces. Mm. Well. But it's quite easy to play. Okay, maybe not very probable, but yeah. very, very pretty. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, for the aesthetic, would it fit in my apartment in terms of the aesthetic? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. This would fit. This would fit. I I got it. I and I. You don't know. You know. I don't really care about aesthetics in mm-hmm. my life. I look like this for most of my day. I own three pairs of blue jeans, and that's it. Yes. Yeah, for the listeners at home, he's dressed like a monk. <laughs> he's just in a a simple cowl, his belongings in a bag, made of sackcloth. And right. I was just scrolling to YouTube, and in my recommended was from a board game channel that I hadn't seen before. It was just a man holding a box, and the box had a big purple. I don't know what the cat is called in Alice in Wonderland. The Cheshire Cat. The Cheshire Cat had a big purple Cheshire Cat's head, and I was like, "That looks pretty." Clicked it, and then I ended up ended up buying it. Hmm. Um, and I think it's a great game. Okay. Um, because well, you have to say that, don't you? You have to say it. No, I own games. That now I that you've spent, I assume. 400 euros. And no, this is a new game, so I didn't even have to go through eBay and nice. pay and pay ridiculous amounts of money. But it's sort of a... I don't know if you've played Quacks in Quedlingburg. Like a, no. It's like a, um, a bag builder instead of mm. a deck builder. Ah, so yeah. you instead of buying cards that you go in a pile and you pick some of the cards mm-hmm. up and you play them, you buy little tokens mm. that you put in a bag and then every round when you do stuff with them you just pick a random token and then stuff happens and then you get to buy new tokens and then you get more Sorry. more fun thing in your bag but then some things in your bag are bad and if you pick too many of those up you blow up and, and things happen so it is literally like a deck builder by just with things in a bag instead of things in a deck yes yeah you you said that you're like saying it, yeah I was I, I was waiting for the comment on that because you're saying is it so it's like uh, no no I, I was just like I, I'm just making sure that I understand that we're talking about because yes. it's like you made it sound like it's a new mechanic entirely no, but it's no it's just no, like it's, no, no, no. it's it is just the same mechanic then, no, I'm not I don't no, hate no. deck builders I it's definitely just, like if you played Quacks or Quedlingburg it's exactly that but no. in a fight is basically but then it has it's sort of a two part of thing where there's the first part where you're sort of running around a tea party, mm-hmm. a table, picking I, up... I already love it yeah. with my Finnish heritage. Yeah. You, it's a tea party, you run around in a circle, sort of drafting, running after each other, picking up cards, so you compete for what sort of things you want. You Maybe you want more tokens, maybe you want more cards, something mm-hmm. like that. You do that for a few rounds, and then once you pick stuff up in your bag, you sort of put out guys into five different areas of the Wonderlands, and then it's like an area of control game, kind mm-hmm. of. Because then you go into these areas and you sort of fight for control. Mm. And then if they say all of us put guys into one area, then we will all like pull stuff from our bags simultaneously and then see who gets the most power mm. without killing our dudes, which yeah. bad tokens do. Mm-hmm. And then you can bow out at any moment being like, oh, okay, I'm actually done now. And then you reveal it. Because second place also then gives rewards for being in every place. Mm. How mm. many people can play this game? Five, it's two to five people. Okay. Do you so think it would work with two people, or is it like is it is there a sweet spot? It does. I mean, I think it's better with more, but it works surprisingly well with yeah. two people because I've played it with two as well, and the player powers change a little bit, and also you take away some areas to fight in, so mm-hmm. there's less areas to fight yeah. in, which makes it better, and then you take away some of the drafting options, so mm-hmm. that there's less things to draft as well. But in general, it works really nicely, and it has like looks very pretty. It's you get. All your favorite Wonderlandian like characters are there. Like starting, like you all have asymmetric sort of powers. There's Alice, Mad Hatter, the Red Queen, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. I can't remember so this more. Is of top them now. literature knowledge I, coming from Simon now. Yes, I may, I may be the Finn. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's been translated into Finnish. I've seen the films. Obviously, the really bad film by Tim Burton was it? Did Tim Burton make one? Uh, he made two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah I haven't seen. I've that, seen them I'm... a long time ago. They're not. They're not great. Yes. Whereas the, original Disney, whereas the original Disney movie is pretty great. So. 
Uh, it was definitely weird. It was a product yeah. of its time. Yeah. Just very. I just very remember off. it having great aesthetic. That is. I mean, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. it's Wonderland. Yeah. Mm. I'd really hate it if this game was just grey. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think, think you've missed the point. I think yeah, probably like for the reason for them to get to buy it was like turn everything up to up to eleven, but not like messy. Like there's not too much going on. Everything is just big, bold, and clear, and very very colorful. You've definitely sold me on the aesthetic part of it at yes. least. So uh, uh, the the listeners can't see this, but I'll I'll show you a picture of just what the box looks like. Okay, yes, that is. I, that I can is, see why you clicked on that on yeah. YouTube. <laughs> and it's just it's just a very, very pretty game. And it kind of has everything I like. I realized that I ended up buying Quaxel Quedlingburg and then this game after each other, where I just got, went full, apparently... Full um, velveteen ba- bag. And it, bag building mm-hmm. game, which I'm terrible at also. Yeah. I'm so bad. I'm bad with dice, except tiny dice. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so bad at pulling stuff out of a bag. I've never won... Either Quacks or this game. I've never even come close to winning. I've I've never come come close to winning either. Two player. I've lost Mm. to Tegan every single time. How do you actually win? Do you just get points from controlling the areas, and then that's the only mechanic, or is there any kind of like? Yeah. So you basically get points from when you win in an area. Like it's over three rounds. So you do tea party drafting three times, and you do fighting three times, Mm -hmm. and that's it. There's only three rounds, Um, and every time you're done fighting, like whoever wins get some amount of points whoever second gets some amount of points but that scale so first round you might get three points if you win next round nine mm-hmm. third round 18 or something okay. like that so you win those and then by winning fights you get to build castles which are little strongholds in the areas that give you strength in fights if you fight there in the future and also give you points at the end of the game so is it snowballing uh, it ca- mm, it- I wouldn't say snowballing I wouldn't, maybe, maybe, maybe not. There are things that you can, so on your player board, there's like things you can upgrade about your mm-hmm. thing. You can unlock more tokens, you can unlock powers. One of the things you can do is the castles, I think, baseline are worth two points at the end of the game. You mm-hmm. can upgrade that so they're worth, I think, six or seven. Mm-hmm. Every time we play it, whoever gets down wins early to get castles down and then gets to upgrade their castles is they just win. Like mm-hmm. that is such a but I think that's the case with most games where they give you like a mechanic where it's you can get invest a little bit in these and they will scale at the end of the game. You can collect things that at the end of the game will accumulatively be worth like seven each and you have four of them on the board. Just to uh, have a idea of what we're talking about here, what is a winning score like? Because you're saying like three point, six point, seven point, ten points but like like I cannot remember. Is it like, I are we know. talking ballpark, ballpark, like 50? Like yeah, 50, something. maybe 50, 40, maybe 50, 60, something okay. like that. I'm I'm desperately trying to remember yeah. what the actual scores were. And you can, yeah, you can easily get like 20 points uh, off a castle. Yeah. But in that way, like it's not snowball-y in the sense that if you win a lot one round, it de- does not mean you're going to win a mm-hmm. lot next round. Like the, you have almost no advantage okay. to winning next round, apart from the places you got castles. Yeah, another way to get points, you have these missions Mm-hmm. mission cards that may give you like oh win a fight using exactly three tokens in this area mm-hmm. which also means you might go into a fight hoping to stay alive until you've spent five counters mm-hmm. or that the last counter has to be a something or okay. whatever like these things give you incentives to do like missions and then missions give you obviously points as well uh, but yeah. yeah just to add to that that's an a, like an added element of just because you're in a fight doesn't mean you actually want to win the fight mm-hmm. yeah. so people could potentially over prepare to fight you and then you put down like two chips and they go well that's me mm-hmm. i'm i'm now done uh is there a equivalent of action cards is there a, anything like that you can recruit 
Wonderlandians. Yeah. So either or you get the you can recruit chips, which go in your bag, or you can recruit Wonderlandian characters, which are basically like well they're cards, but they give you a little either they can give you chips or like tokens, like little minis. Mm -hmm. And the minis go out on the board, mm -hmm. but they go into specific areas. So there's nothing you can really do to surprise someone. Yeah. But there the, is no like a surprise screw you card. Apart well, from the Wonderlandian itself could change the conditions of the fight though, right? Like yeah. if you put like if you put something there, then all of a sudden you think you've got more people, but actually mm. now that this standee is here, it's yeah. Okay. So it's like But standees don't come out randomly. You have to kind of draft them and then you put mm. them out. Except okay. for Alice, whose power is if you upgrade her, that every time she goes into a fight, she just brings a random Wonderlandian with mm. her. So she just Induces an element of, of random into the fight. Um, I just want to say now, like, when you first brought it out, or when I saw it, I was worried that it was going to be too machiney. Mm. By that is like, oh, you can get these cards, and then you get these chips, and then you use these chips to put here, and then you can use these to unlock this. And mm -hmm. Like, oh god, it's going to be one of these yeah. kind of like, what do I want to go for? What's the what's the engine? Uh, but actually, getting into it, it wasn't too bad. Like, I could actually know what I wanted to go for. And I think, depending on which character you play, which again is a little bit of asymmetry, but it's not crazy. Yeah, it doesn't you break can kind the of game. Yeah, like you can just you don't you doesn't change how you would play the game. Yeah, but, but um, I know. Sorry, and I played it, and I I really loved it. Yeah, I know what you mean with like games where you get like a kind of a big player board, and then it gives you a bunch of tokens that you're supposed to cover up things with. And then it's like, oh, you take them off to upgrade things. Like that can easily terraforming Mars. That could easily well, <laughs> that I, I personally am looking at Brass Birmingham, but yes, mm. yes, uh, that and Scythe. Yeah. I'm also looking at Scythe. <laughs> uh, we could have a. We could Does have anyone a, have any opinions? About we could Scythe, have a Scythe counter as well. I'm looking at Scythe <laughs> as well as like things. And then mm. when I, when you look at that, the worry is that okay, you're going to spend most of your time now looking Navi at looking at this thing yeah. here, and then I'm pointing mm. to my table, mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> planning what to lift off and how to upgrade the things, and there's so many things you don't really pay attention to anything else. Yeah, that's kind of like, because we like shouty games and we like the social aspect of yeah, games, and yeah. then that's why engine games are kind of like, if you're only looking at your own board and have to spend all of your mental subroutines managing what am I going to do three rounds from now, what, yeah, which ones yeah. am I upgrading, and so on, and it's just yeah. kind of eats some of the fun. So I think this one gives you, like, it gives you upgrade options and, like, and forging, which is the other way to upgrade. And but you kind of easily just look at seeing like, oh, what do I want? Do I want mm. more strength or do I want that's a cool power? I mm. want that power. And then you upgrade to that. And there's no like you can do this to do this to do this to do this to do this yeah. on your same thing. Yeah, because there's still risk, right? Like it's still what comes out of your bag. Mm. Like you can put a chip in there and conceivably never see that chip. Yeah. Mm. Like that's that's gone forever. But even with that, it's not like it's punishing, yes, but if you just it's not that punishing. Like picking up too many chips that like kills you in a fight. You can still fight in the next fight and then you get all your chips back if you pull mm -hmm. many bad chips out. So it's like it punishes you I think a nice amount in a fight, but then just you just keep going and pull chips and everyone's everyone has fun. Yeah. I would say it's it's manageable risk. Yeah. which is the sweet spot of risk reward, right? Yeah. It's like uh, really, really need like a two strength chip to come out now and then you kind of know, well, I've bought this one, I've bought this one, I've bought this one. So mm. it's always like, uh, do I do you chance it or, or not? And then usually make the wrong decision. Mm. But And also because you've no idea what, like there's no way to keep track of what anyone else has really mm -hmm. bought or chips. Like you can try, but it's going to be hard to know, mm. to remember round three what oh, chips Tom has no, bought. No, no chance. So then in a fight, you actually you have no idea like what the sort of 
strengths will be and even like how much Tom will invest in a fight because I can't mm. stop fighting because we basically you reveal at the same time and then unless Tom reveals an empty hand I don't know if he stopped fighting so I can't stop mm-hmm. giving me myself more strength in the fight mm. but also there's also a limit so if you get to I think 25 strength in a fight you just win even though if other mm. people would keep pulling so like if you just, just invest quite a in, few chips because they're basically worth yeah. one two or three yeah. in a fight so if to you, get up to that high is pretty yeah, yeah. so but if you just basically but yeah but there's things that give you like well I'm just as a general yeah, kind of yeah. Tips yeah. Powers. but I and it's a new game you can actually buy it in stores it's very pretty it's a big box it's a huge game but um, we're catering to everyone now yeah. mm. a game you can actually buy yeah mm. wow. exactly crazy, um, crazy. It, it, I think it looks daunting when you open it and see there's quite a lot of things in it because there's the tokens and the Wonderlandian cards that give you sometimes tokens sometimes minis and there's your own board and then the game board and then the missions but it's it's easier than it looks and How it's a game where I'd say the teach of it is, like, because there's so many things, a third of the way through, people go, let's just play. Mm. I, can't, I can't listen to you explain <laughs> what all these things are now. And then when you start playing, you people realize pretty quickly, okay, this is this wasn't that complicated. Mm. It's like, move a dude, take a thing. Move a dude, mm. take a thing. Put dudes there, pull stuff out of the bag. Rinse and repeat. Mm. How big is the rule book? Pretty thin. Okay. Pretty thin, because it's mostly things about what the different tokens do. Mm. Yeah. I would say. And that's with the replayability as well. So there's like a market of tokens that you can also buy, and then their powers can change. Yeah. So if you use like set A, you have a series of powers, and then side B. Yeah, I think there's like four sides to them. And then the amount of like Wonderland and helper cards is like a lot, Mm -hmm. and you'll only see a handful of them every game. So Mm. even those will always be new. Mm. Yeah. And then with the the player powers being quite different so even playing a different one it's like it'll be a little bit interesting to see what they can do as well which actually gives you enough feeling of like oh if I was if I was the Red Queen I think I would do this instead yeah. which I think is a good mark of a game if after the game you're like oh I maybe maybe I should have done this or next time if I play I want to do this and then I want to mm-hmm. do this mm. that was the case because I think we ended that last game and I was like I need to play who you were playing as yeah. Yeah. and I had like yeah, I was, I've came, got ideas. Yeah. And I came dead last, but still. Mm. Had, had lots, had lots You did of fun. steal a lot of points off me, which I was like oh, <laughs> really quite yeah. salty about. Because again, I'm a sweet baby boy and no one should ever yeah. do anything yeah. wrong. And, and you won the game. Uh, through just raw skill. Mm. Skill and talent. And that's why we have to kneecap you. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The thing that it seems, because you're limited to three rounds, mm. I, I like that you never have like everything fully set up. You're always like, ah, I just needed, mm. I needed one more thing, and yeah. then it would have been super cool. Which I think is the key to like this kind of game, where you don't want to like do everything and then go, and now I am unkillable. You want to have like something a bit. You can get a, a little bit of spice, yeah, but you can't get everything. Exactly. Right? There's no way to engine that you upgrade everything. No. So do you want more people or yeah. better castles, or do you want better like your own asymmetric powers, mm. which you have to unlock? Yeah. It's like. Okay, you've got, so you've got enough to juggle, but you can't get everything. Mm, and exactly. then, yeah, so it's kind of, I like that. You can't, you literally can't do everything. Yeah. So you just kind of, again, kind of play the table. What are, what are people going to do is kind of the the thing. And then pray that you, your velveteen bag angels are sitting on your shoulder. Otherwise, you just pull out five madness tokens in a row and then just bust everywhere. And you go mad. Heartbreak, heartbreak. That was talking about a game or like games that end quite quickly. Should we switch to talking about games that are long running? What? 
do, are we are we going for hot takes that aren't to do with scythe, <laughs> <laughs> or are the games that we're not discussing unless, right now? Uh, unless they've made a scythe legacy, then I guess I can't keep. There's a scythe junior. You can play a little well, baby scythe. Maybe that's for me. I've heard that's actually okay, <laughs> but I don't know if it's. I don't know. Is I know it exists. I've never. I, I know I'll never play it. Is it for actual children? Like what is it? It's. I mean, not kitty kids, but like. like Mm. Tweens? Yeah, young teens, I guess. I mean, young teens can play regular scythe. Well, maybe younger than that then. I don't, yeah, but would they? <laughs> they no, it's like, oh. oh, it's an economic engine builder in a fake 1920s but Eastern Europe. Fair, I know teens who would mm. be like... Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Like yeah. But yeah. it lures you in by looking really cool. With the mechs. Yes, mm. it lures you in by like, oh, I have the coolest mech ever. It's like, what, what can I do? Well, you can sit in it. You can upgrade them to sometimes cross a bit of water. But you've got to really earn that. But you, if you want to cross that water back where you came from, you can't. Yeah. They can't yeah. do that anymore. It's, they, perf- they, it's the perfect game. They can only go across water one way. And it's like, this is a massive... I look at the pictures. Massive mech. Yes. Like an... an, <laughs> an what are they called in Star Wars? Like an AT-80. AT-80. AT-80, yeah. Like it's that. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I get this. In 1920s... Russia. Russia. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can't cross that bit of river mm. back, but you can go there. I'm like, so I've been yeah. very attracted to the aesthetic every time because I just like the but, but it's, it it's hearing a, about it's this. It's so pretty, but it's just not the game I think it is. And I know that people love it. I, and, and, the, and I know that none of this will go in the podcast because this is just me ranting about a game. That I think I, we should keep it big. Yeah. Because I, I'm thinking of like the unique selling points. Who's finish? It's a mystery. Yeah. We'll never know. We hate will sight. We? Mm. Yeah. This is just a game Probability that I, as a metric. Mm. And then just scythe hate. Yeah, I've never like this is I've this is the game I've had the least fun playing in mm. my life. You did get up and start cooking, I think. No, I, I not even I like cooking. I got up to do the dishes. Oh, oh wow! While playing, only coming back when it was my turn to move one cube and go boop, I get one money, and then going back to do dishes. Mm. I think you've, I, you've sold me. I was on the fence, but now. But you did really finish the game. Me. Because I have one game that I actually have stopped midway through. Like, okay, tell us about that. No, it's Azul. Oh, I know about Azul, but oh, I've you're never played it. Definitely making enemies because Azul know. is like. I we tried it because hyped. it's super hyped and it's super yeah. pretty, and I was we were trying it because I was hoping to buy it for my mum because I keep thinking that I would like her to play board games with me. So far, we've actually like we have had success with um, Ticket to Ride. But that's a different topic. Ticket to Ride is great, though. Ticket it's to like, Ride is I think that's what parents should play. Uh, it's an excellent first board game for people who think that board games are monopoly. And literally, like, let's say 40% of my relationship with my little brother and his mm. fiance is based on Ticket to Ride at this point. I am not joking. This is the, it's an excellent thing that we have been building a mm. rapport on. It's a yeah. really good game. Anyway, Azul. I tried it because it was super hyped, and it was like, and it was just. Do you have a thing against abstract tile laying? Is, I don't, is, I think is, I is Azul we... the one where you try to make like a carpet, or is that I the think, one with oh, the yeah, cat? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's with mm. the carpet with the like tiles. It's like it's, it's a like tile a, one. I think you're thinking of um, Calico. Calico yeah. with the cat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Know. I think I've been. I've talked about this before to other people and people who like Azul, and they have reassured me I was doing it wrong. Is this like, it's like a pattern <laughs> recognition thing. Right? It's, a, it's, a, like, it's like a puzzle. The problem was that you had exactly the thing where I felt like I was focusing on my like little sheet and doing math on my little sheet mm. instead of actually, like it might have been like it was the equivalent, I, I enjoy doing Sudoku. It kind of felt like doing competitive Sudoku 
amazing. Is the competitiveness in it that you're basically like com- buying tiles kind of, that the other yeah, one but, can't but not, not, Yeah, a bit. Bought. That's kind but of like, the only yeah. interaction. The yeah. only it's inter- kind of like inter- denial yeah. of what people So it was like, like competitive Sudoku mostly in that you're doing it at the same time at the same table. Mm. It's very pretty, but I just, it was a lot of math and the like score, like I think we actually finished one game and then we we're like this is so bad it has to be that we're doing this wrong and then we tried again and then just stopped midway through because it was not worth it. Was it. fighting worse because people on board game give, give it like an eight point five or something like and that's basically that the game. bible. Yes, that's it basically is the bible. Like that's I mean, only yeah. truth on that website. They love Scythe as well, so I'm 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 with you on this. And they like Gloomhaven, which again is something that. I've never played Gloomhaven, but the world loves it. This is, I mean, this is kind of getting back on track for yes. kind of campaign legacy games. Because I was going to kind of lump them all together yeah. in the sense of, mm. I guess in the truest sense, a legacy game is one that changes as you physically play it, yeah. as you play it, yeah. I guess, is from the OG like Risk Legacy mm. kind of way. But then there's this huge explosion of like campaign games now mm-hmm. where you kind of play the same game, but never the exact same setup. Yeah. yeah, which is why Gloomhaven was the huge kind of look. You can play it for How? a million years. When did that come out? Because I remember, and, a I, long and time I know ago. you've played it, but like Pandemic Legacy Season One is a thing that I've never seen anyone not laud that as the best game in the world. I, I haven't, th- I haven't played it yet. I think that either. was on. I think that was in the number one spot at some point in the Bible. in the Bible, in the online Bible, and I have played it. I played it in a bit of a weird... So I played the Gloom whole thing. Gloomhaven. Like, uh, no, no, sorry, Pandemic Legacy. Legacy. Yeah. Um, in like a week. Hmm. Uh, same people, because that's kind of a nice way of doing it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend doing it in a week, but... If why, you, why not? Because <laughs> it's a lot of back-to-back games of Pandemic. <laughs> it's pretty much it. Like You know when you have a lovely biscuit, and yeah. you're like, ooh, I'll have another lovely biscuit. Mm-hmm. And then people say, you better finish all of those biscuits. Now it's like, oh, okay. I'm play eating a lot of biscuits now, past the point of. So you really think you would have enjoyed it more spaced out. out. Spaced yeah. out. Spaced out. But I worry if I think this is one of my problems with like legacy games and campaign games is getting the same people together regularly mm-hmm. to do it is kind of a sticking point. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch for you if you haven't like played Pandemic Legacy. I think at some point, and I'm only talking about season one because I think that's the only one that's worth it. Uh, if you can get it, and you have the same group of people, and you can like play it over a short-tish period of time, because there are like story elements and the map does change, and it's kind of like, oh my god, like your characters that you play can upgrade, they can die, they can be injured, right? Like so, and the world itself, I'm won't spoil things but changes pretty drastically depending on how you how you play I think for that it was such a unique experience that they've obviously tried to recapture with like different seasons I don't know if they have just kind of listening to reviews and stuff but it's, it's one of those things that like the game changes and there's stories mm-hmm. and not just the stories that the game teaches like tells you that there are but it's like I can tell you in our game Madrid was fucked <laughs> like I could say if anything was gonna go wrong in the world goodbye Madrid we tried but <laughs> you're you're out like the game is sort of like you play if, so if you win every game you play 12 games and I think after game like 4 5 it's like I mean 
I mean, there's no there's no going back for Madrid now. Uh, <laughs> they're all just let them die. Is is there a way for the game to end earlier than it's supposed to? Because the whole world just burns. Mm, so what will happen is that if you continually lose so badly, mm. basically if you win the games too easily, um, you'll be told to basically take out things that help you. Okay. And if you continually lose, you'll be opening envelopes and putting things that mm. theoretically help you okay. win. So it's kind did, of a self how did, how did you guys, did you guys win some, lose some, or did you I'd just smash it? say we were about 50-50, okay. I think, for the most part. There was no, there was never, like, we never had to mm. open, like, emergency packets of stuff. Yeah. But just for, I don't know, just getting super invested of, like, you name your character. Like, mm. you you can, like, die and get injured and, like, be, you know, all sorts of ailments. But yeah, it was just kind of one of those experiences, right? Like, that's the kind of point of doing it. Yeah. But I, I'm just, obviously, you guys haven't played. I mean, you play Pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that, but it just gets wild. It's like, it's a, long, it's like a long game of Pandemic. And yeah, I mean, everyone's starting point is going to be a little bit different. Stickers, yeah. envelopes, that sort of stuff. I am, I, like, I have wanted to play that for the longest time because I love Pandemic and I, like, I have enjoyed the legacy games that we have played. Yeah. Just it's expensive still, I think. But if you can get like a group, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to play it again. Mm-hmm. I think no. I would. Yeah, so things would come back and be like, oh, okay. and oh. then well, I don't we have want two to people here who would like to yeah. play it. Maybe if we find a few more, they would. We can just try. I think mm. we our extended friend group who plays board games we might could, have could, some people we who could might find be enough. interested. And mm. and Pandemic is not an insane game. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be. Like I think I could convince Tegan to play that with mm. us. She mm. would go insane, but she would she would play. It. <laughs> but other. Yeah. Legacy games that we've all played is King's Dilemma. I get, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess was that the first one for you? Guys? That is my first legacy game, I think. And then after that, the Betrayal game, yeah, we kind of which we up. kind of started and then we stopped playing because I think no, because no one suggested to play it anymore. Yeah, yeah. but so maybe. It, so here's the thing then, because we were pretty regular for King's Dilemma, mm-hmm. yeah. which. I, I guess is not going to be everyone's cup of tea game because it is literally just mm. like if you played that with quiet people, yeah. <laughs> mechanically, there's not a lot to it. Yeah. yeah, this is something I kind of had a feeling about because I was I I loved King's Dilemma and I'm so glad we played it with good people and like the people that we played it with and the way we played it because I would have if I had played that with a different group of people because you cannot play that game again like you don't want to mm. play the Pandemic Legacy again. I would not like to play King's Dilemma again. Mm. And I, it would be such a like pain point of like it being a wasted opportunity because it is an excellent game, but it requires a good group. Like if you if we didn't have the built-in muscle of like already having old grudges and knowing who how people play <laughs> and having opinions about how people play and having yeah. the existing friendships that are there, it would be it would not be a great game. Like I it would still be a great game, but it would not be the experience that it was. Mm. Yeah, but I also don't. people need to be able to sort of because it basically is we read a card and then you vote for the card. So, but people who can't like, like we all imagined ourselves sort of into this story. We all tried yeah, to we play. We all tried to play our houses and yeah. like invented more things, made jokes about. I can't remember what happened in the game at all now. I just remember that at some point I argue for killing people, killing children, but then said we should do it because they're only orphans. Mm. And and then we played the game. Very few. <laughs> And very few games have so I have I had to roughly. argue for. I think you're slaughtering eleven year olds. Yes, and, and, and at year olds. But they were orphans, so it was fine. And I really needed that. 
mm. for my race, I my guess family to become immortal. I think. I guess yeah. should we, perhaps for people that don't know the king's letter, yes, perhaps just give a little after the fact, um, kind of crazy. So the game board is in essence five or six tracks, and the setup is that you're in this fictional kingdom, and you are representing a noble family. And the tracks are particular aspects of the kingdom, like military strength, happiness, food, whatever. Technology, I think, yeah. And, yeah. and these elements can go up or down depending on t- events that happen that come off a deck. Like a deck of cards will come out one at a time with a particular dilemma for the king, something to be discussed by the council, the parliament, or whatever the... I think the council, king's council. council. King's council. And depending on the outcome of the votes, which may may include killing orphans or not, uh, these uh, metrics within the kingdom will rise and fall. So if you want to do something that affects the army, then the sort of military strength tracker will go up. Uh, each noble house kind of has uh, a scoring at the end of the year, or the end of the king's life, uh, which sort of tells you where you want a particular or some amount of these trackers to end up. So people want really super high or super low something, yeah. yeah, factors. Or people want to keep it straight down the middle. Let's keep these as neutral as possible. So everyone has their own kind of invested idea in how to vote. And like every single year, each fa- house has the certain things that they are working towards that are the overarching theme for that family. But mm. every single year, you also pick a random strategy or like the way you play this king's life which is like exactly you want to be very extreme or you want to be keep things low moderate yeah and these may or may not work well with your overarching theme and you kind of have to balance it i yeah i will tell you now i could not play my family strength i was accidentally so for the king which was against every fiber of my family's being (laughs) but i just kept being left with things that were very supportive of the royal family Mm. and i was like well Long live the king, I guess. I'm gonna, I, I'm I think that, that was because those give you the least sort of points. And I think the mechanic was that the one with the most points chooses last. Mm-hmm. And mm. then you ended up being... So you, again, were winning so much that you got to pick your card last. Yeah. Again, but everyone was bullying me at the time. Yeah. That's how I remember it. Yeah. Just that's real... How you, that's, how you're, throwing, that's how you see the world. Everyone against my you. Eyes. I was like, please, Simon, don't kill those orphans. No, but my, I my, guys, my guys really needed to. My guys really needed to. And I think my faction didn't really care whether they were like pro king or, or against king. They only had a single minded idea of becoming immortal. Yeah, whereas I don't remember caring about the king. I just had a very vehement like uh rivalry with Jonas's house the entire time. Oh yeah, yeah but that was fantastic. It was yeah. amazing. Fantastic. Yes. But again, that was great because both you and Jonas played into that whilst playing with people who wouldn't do that that would mean nothing. Yeah, it would no, just we be like, oh, our factions don't like each other. Well, yeah, we went fully into it. it was but it's, it's great. Mm. But again, it's one of those games where mechanically all you're doing is you have power, which are mm. like shield tokens mm-hmm. that you could put on either side of a vote. And money. What did oh, you, you do with money. the money? You had money. You did stuff with money. You, you, you were collecting you money. money. Yeah, but if you had the most, you got points at the end. Yeah, and you could or some people got points. Others got like... Certain roles gave you, you should have a lot of money, and certain roles said, yeah. like, don't have money. And then you but could spend money for the war efforts and whatever. Like, yeah, there were things so you could cards. use. Yeah. I know you said that you wouldn't play it again, and I, I mean, I'm probably, I'm not going to buy it, but I think I would play it again because one, I enjoyed it, and two, I just would like to see how differently it ends up. One, there's like, 
there's a lot of factions mm. that were left unplayed. This is true. Yeah. It doesn't really ma- matter for the like the, the what faction mm. you are doesn't change that much the game. Like it's how much you want to live into it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, but I think I would play it again with a different faction just to see because I remember snippets of what we were doing, and I'm not going to say what we were doing, but I remember snippets. I would like to see how different it, it turns out. I, it is true. It is true. They are making the sequel, or they're going to kickstart the, the, the sequel. Queen I think they are. Yeah. They are already kickstarting the the sequel. You yeah. could you could back it now if you want to. Yeah. You Look at us doing I, do, starting from games from ten years ago and now going. This is this Kickstarter game that you could support. <laughs> We're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. I mean, we, if you, I mean, if you want to sponsor us, please, please do. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like we even haven't gotten to TI yet, and that would be like the most legacy I mean, game yeah. of the things we talk about. But yeah. Probably. That's more of a metagame legacy than a Yeah, I was going to say, I, 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 I think yeah. the way we play TI is kind of a legacy game. I mean, the baggage that comes into it yeah. yes. is more than what's in the box. There are games that we do not speak of. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess just to not, not sidetrack away from TI, which is my a, a true love, mm. but then what is the difference between The King's Dilemma, which we were regularly like, because we had that group chat and people were like, yep, got to keep mm. going on this, play a couple of games. And then if we segue to Betrayal Legacy, which is theoretically another legacy game, it's kind of the game changes over time, I guess, slightly. I mean, I'd, what's what the... I haven't... I, I know, is it just a weaker game? I, I know my think. answer to that, and that is that, like, why did we keep playing King's Dilemma so often is that I was genuinely, like, invested in what had happened. I genuinely want to know what's going to happen next. Mm. Like mm. stuff had happened, and I was like, "Oh, are we gonna do more war? Are we gonna do that? What What about this person?" And I genuinely wanted to know more, and it was just a, an easy game to get to because you can also do it kind of quick. I guess the betrayal games are also kind of quick. I kind of mm. forget about that it now. It can be, but it's just such a. Whilst the betrayal legacy one is, it's just playing betrayal. Mm. In my and opinion, there is the legacy part of it is for what I would say pretty. N- I, nothing. Mm, yeah. It's nothing. And like I, I you just, get a basement tile. I just generally don't really like Betrayal and the House on the Hill. Like I, I have played it a few times, and every single time I play with people, like I've had one good game, the first game I ever played, and then since then, every time I've played it, I tell people that I play it with. I promise this is a better game than this, and you can only say <laughs> it so many times until it, you stop believing it. It is. You're talking about like full old-fashioned yeah, betrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas and like, and I remember skipping training. King's Dilemma, whereas I would never do that for Betrayal, mm. betra- betrayal Legacy. For the listeners at home, she never skips training. I mm. skipped training to come here today. I skipped double training today. I skipped wrestling to come here today. Are you doing a wrestling I d- now? I do medieval wrestling oh. on Mondays. Of course. Yeah, med- wrestling yeah. Mondays. Yes. Yeah, medieval wrestling Mondays. That's yeah, the yeah, and there's, there's Taco Tuesday. Yeah. Medieval <laughs> wrestling Mondays. We all yes. know that. Yeah, yeah, like cool. like the medieval usual. wrestling and then there's straight after that there's long sword fighting and like because we also do wrestling in long, so- long sword then yeah. So you guys need to really appreciate the fact that I skipped three hours of training to come here, I'm, including I, wrestling. I'm very appreciative. I'm very appreciative. Very. Because very we tried to schedule this for, like, we started from three weeks ago and couldn't find a date until this date, so, yeah. It's pretty booked up. Yeah. Here at the studios that we own ourselves mm-hmm. because we're professional podcasters already. You, pretty, were, you had much. a point about Betrayal Legacy. Or? Yeah, so I've played, like, the OG, maybe it was the second edition now, and my draw to that was it's a big box of jank. It, like, it can be very random, like, everything is kind of set up, you go through the, the pieces of it, and then by the end of it, because there's so many tiles, because there's so many items, because there's so many weird things that could come out, the game is kind of spicy because it's just like, 
It's just throwing everything in the air. And the thing that turned me off for the like the legacy version is that the first games you play have like three tiles and all yeah. the items are exactly the same. Yeah. And I don't really care if the haunt is story driven. The setup of the game is you're all like these misfit people in this haunted house for some reason. And then through accumulating items and exploring the house and like building it from decks of tiles, uh, a haunt happens and one of you becomes the traitor and then something needs to, like the traitor has a goal and then you have to go off and relearn some other rules, mm. which I will admit takes a lot of the, the speed out of the night. And then the good guys, uh, the people left, have their own goals in opposition to the traitor, right? Mm. And then the rest of the game is one versus many mm. to do a thing. Also, I think house. you just, I at least didn't get any kind of attachment to my house. Mm. I cannot remember. Like, if you showed me the house sheets, I can't remember what my, my family would be. I mean, on. I just no, know. I, I, I remember, though, that, like, I would say the most fun parts of the, the legacyness of it. I remember that I'm completely out of the game. This doesn't, you don't have to do this for the game. I pretended just to be, I had the smallest token with the teddy bear. Yeah. So I was a child. War and war and always was a war veteran. For, I don't know where that came from with like <laughs> a big teddy bear that you could use as a mallet. And that's what I kept envisioning. And I remember that being fun. But yeah. that's not at all part of the game. <laughs> and, it, and we every, well, and, yeah. and Jonas was playing a weird pastor priest. And I think that was fun. But that's yeah. just what we invented on top yeah, of the game. Yeah, we added things Whereas to the game. Yeah. After the haunts as well, it's like haunts, then you, there's like different ways of, of killing the person. That ended up almost being like, okay, we know what to do now. So now everyone just does a thing mm -hmm. and the gameplayness almost goes away because it's like, so, okay, what do we need to do? We have to go to the rooms, look for things, and then eventually it's bring these things to that person. The and then it becomes boring. The actual, like, after the haunt thing, The that part of the entire pandem like the Betrayal Legacy game is like the last round of TI where we have figured out who's winning and we're trying to stop that person. And it stops being fun. Yeah. And it stops bit, being rewarding for basically everyone. And yeah. you're just kinda like you're not playing your own game, you're kind of trying to like meta game the whole yeah. game. It goes into like a team thing, but not in like a fun pan exactly. pandemic way where you exactly. work together against something. You're like there's a thing that you will hundred percent succeed at. It's just when will you do it? Yes at least for the older edition of the full game, not the legacy one, uh, I think someone had rewritten all the haunts. Because I think, I don't know if they were, it was an issue of balance or interest, but like I think someone had like... For the legacy one now? No, not for the legacy, for like second edition, the full, full fat mm. betrayal. And I don't know if it was a balance thing or just an uninterestingness yeah. to a lot of the haunts, but I know that this sort of fan thing has been made. Mm. So I don't know if that would help with the thing you you, you were sort of like, but is it also that like you said i've never played the full betrayal game like the, that but that has to my understanding lots of things lots of tiles lots of everything the, it's so it's, it's playing this game playing like the first missions is playing like only a bit of betrayal but yeah. not yeah. the good bit yeah i yes. think it's too and then small. you if you because if you tell me like no you have to play like it's like someone telling me to watch a TV show, and then they go like, oh, season four is when it gets good. I'm like, yeah. I'm not getting to season four, man. I need it to be good now and fun yeah. now. I'm never getting to season four. Yeah, I don't I, have the time for that. I kind of assume that like, if you play enough, you will end up in a situation where it starts being like the actual legacy, like not non-legacy version of Betrayal. Yeah, mm. but you, you the, have enough. But the thing with that is, like I said, I the first game I ever played of it, it was great. It was super fun. Mm. And since then, every single time I've tried, I've tried both the, like, the same version I played then, and then the D&D one, uh, like there's the betrayal at something, like one of the castles in D&D &D lore that is the most... Ravenloft? Fucking, may, or maybe that, or like Waterdeep. 
Oh, okay. Well, I Raven... was going to say Waterdeep, and I know nothing about yeah, the. But it, it's either Waterdeep or Ravenloft, but whatever. Like it, and I've tried both, uh, and I have given it like at least six chances at this point, and every single time it's just kind of underwhelming. It can be very hit and miss. Like I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Just because when the horn starts, it can yeah. be so random. And mm. the 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 juice for me is that the board state at that time can be very jank mm-hmm. because it's like. Okay, so what have you got? It's like, well, I've got a suit of armor, and I've got a cursed eyeball, and you've got, and it's like, I have a spoon. Yeah, well, I mean, in the legacy one, that's all we have, which I think was a terrible starting item. But anyway, it's just like you can't predict who's powerful, overpowered, or not. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh god, I hope it's not you because you found that plus one fork of, you know, it's just a very, it's just jank. Whereas I think the legacy one started far too small. Like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna pick up this item, and the item deck is like two cards deep yeah. it's like oh I wonder oh I can name it, it doesn't you matter. can I'm make gonna... it a, you can make it a family heirloom yeah. which means nothing well yep. yeah because I'm going to see it next year or ne- you know next game because it's the only item yeah. in the deck so. it's like I wonder what omen this is yeah. oh it's the one like omen. Betrayal definitely has potential as a good legacy game but I think that they should have just gone for a lot more in the game and mm. the legacy part be something more different and I would well t- I don't know the house would change more the starting way of the, how the house is would be it left could do something like to the, the house madness. more than just the like addition of the ghosts or something like it would have done like something like more than that, that someone died on this tile it did, yeah it didn't feel like anything we did really affected anything no. like even when we killed the when when the NPCs died that didn't do mm. anything because the NPCs were meaningless to begin yeah, I with. I was like, oh, the yeah. gardener. Oh, he's gone. Mm. And then I was like, oh, do we just take him out of the game forever? Mm. Now? I was not invested in any part of the experience, mm. I think, is the problem. So would it be better then, and this is going to hopefully segue beautifully into campaign games, mm-hmm. if it was a scenario-driven game, instead of everything being procedural and off the top of the deck, if we think of like campaign games like Gloomhaven, where you set up the board a certain way, like each scenario Maybe. is different. The item. I mean, the setup time might be crazy, but is that more appealing than something that is, oh, I've opened an envelope and I get new stuff? Mm. I think maybe, but not necessarily. Mm. I don't think it would say Because I think that what we really needed was more stuff in the beginning and like a bigger effect on how to set up the board next time. Because... In one in like in the game we like King's Dilemma, you it didn't change much of how you set up the board a little mm-hmm. bit, but that again had a really strong story to keep us dri- yeah. driving, mm-hmm. which I don't think you can really get for Betrayal Legacy because mm-hmm. the idea is you come to a new haunted house, mm-hmm. but it should be somehow like it is like, the same house. Yeah, it's the same house, but we're kind of people in the same. Are we the same people? Like we're not the same people. Yeah. We're, we're like uh, we like descendants. Of, yeah. So because like we because we come back to the same house, I know that we get like a few more tiles that we can put out. But I don't think that's enough of change in the house. I think mm. that I don't know how I would do it, yeah. but like completely different, like how the house would be set up. Mm. And then that being sort of you build from that somehow. I, I, I don't know. I'm well, not a game designer. But also realize that we were clearly ser- seeking for some kind of like continuity and so on because we did end up all of us always playing with the same characters and always like with the same tokens yeah. and trying to like and that kind of the fact that it was always like yeah your descendants that don't really know anything and that was like I know mm. I'm very n- narrative narrative driven. I know mm. this is how I process things but I just felt like it didn't give me anything to latch onto. Yeah. In terms of this is a story that we are all building. This is just yeah. weird shit happens. Someone, some people die. Some people don't die. Come back in fifty years. So the 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 biggest piece of the fun was what we just randomly brought in yes. ourselves. Yeah. Great. Which is my which, feeling with Gloomhaven. Which 
Because like I feel like my feeling. Okay, this is my hot take. In, akin to your so, let's do a hot, t- hot take. Is Some that, sort of yeah, sting. Because we're that definitely one. not adding that in, in parts. Just like hot take. I mean, we don't have the budget for anything more. So yeah, yeah. I assume that, that's, I think that's, that's staying. Be, yeah. That's staying. Yeah. <laughs> Being that I think Gloomhaven is D and D with all the compelling bits removed. You can save it a bit. This is a hot take. Ooh. You can save it a bit by playing with good people, but even that will not save you. It is like if the only compelling bits are the things you bring into it. The story requires you to really invest in your characters, mm. and it requires you to have that like the thing we did and brought into Betrayal Legacy. But even then, it is just if you like D and D for the combat, which I understand is one of the main reasons people like D and D and why D and D has. But what D&D was meant to do hmm. but it's still like I think the things that are compelling to me about D&D have all been removed and you can bring them into it yourself but the game actively hates you doing it mm. <laughs> It is, yeah but it's it's a combat sim yes. more than anything mm. or yeah combat efficiency kind of simulator yeah but at the same time it removes the, like you're not allowed to converse, have a conversation about your strengths and weaknesses so it's less of a like yeah. Well, allowed to and you're whatever. not kind of allowed to do at least I don't know I don't play as many as much like these narrative based like role playing games you guys but at least for me what I like most is just that like you can do whatever you, yeah, you can just do whatever and the story will become something yes mm-hmm. and it will be probably become something completely different from what, what it like? would have been two weeks ago and what someone else plays it and like because someone sees a house oh what's that oh it's a brothel oh let's go to the brothel and then we always <laughs> end up doing something random Weird, there yeah. and then that's Sorry, always with the brothels, which you can't do in, in, in Gloomhaven. This kind of thing, because no. they're obviously set, you can't make yeah. that in a game. But I feel like, and then if you take that away, just do a combat thing, then maybe I think that would put some people off, like you, yeah. from that game. But other people will go, like, Yes, I don't have to ad lib what I would say to this yes. innkeeper, I can just be like, Well, it's, I have dice, yeah, but it's, no, I mean, there's no dice in it. Like it's, it's very um, oh it's just cards, it's just cards, and all the scenarios are pretty like you know what you have to do in each scenario. Mm. Like get across to this door. So open it's like the if door. you're like into war gaming things, like maybe it would be like maybe it would have been fun if I had played it with people who are into like because when we've played okay this is a segue no not segue I have sidetrack of like playing uh, zombies no what's it called the the zombie game where you just set up a like whatever. Is it, is it like, not zombie side? I guess it's maybe zombie side. There's I quite a few like zombie. Yeah, because uh, I just remember we had it and I painted the minis, but I can't remember because I think it's in Mikko's place I, I, now. I anyway, so. like in that, I like playing it in a way we where I help where we do a game plan and a war plan, and we just kind of like played as a gaming like war sim. And if I had played Gloomhaven Legacy with that mindset, with people who are into like optimizing the war plan. I can see how that would be fun for me, even though I'm like in D and D combat mm. is not my favorite thing. Mm. But like the way it was built to me as D and D in a box was just bullshit. I yeah, I think that's that's misleading. Yes, I think, or people that play a very dry D and D. I think is it's is uh, it's just impossible to get like the idea of D and D because it's story driven from what you think of. It's why books will always be better than anything you watch because it's you imagining it, and that is like the most powerful way. Of experiencing stuff is you're, like you're really know. throwing shade again on someone with no vision. No visual, yeah, visual. You can <laughs> still imagine things, and you can still like make yeah. stuff. Like, you can yeah. read books. I, right? I do enjoy reading books. Yeah, yes. exactly. So I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> you go, yeah. what are these meaningless words? Yeah, like, it's not like she reads a word and goes like, well, I don't. It's well, just a word. Why we'll would that? Be? What that is. It's like that's why because it's just you it's imagining it 
and that's I think the most powerful way. Yeah, of and like because it. on my head, my brain is yeah. in basically in like because yeah, it has been said now a few times. I don't have visual imagination, and I don't have visual memory. My brain processes things in narratives. And that is always going to affect how I deal with things. And maybe that's why I didn't like Gloomhaven. But I do think I would have enjoyed, like, I do enjoy some part of the, like, wargamey, like, planning mm. and strategizing. And in Yeah, Gloomhaven. there's nothing wrong with, like, tactical play. Yeah, but yeah no, it's, it's just, I, I mean, cards on the table. I played, like, one game of Gloomhaven. And in an unfortunate situation, that My didn't make sense. God, it was, uh, like, a really terrible kind of setup. Like, I worked out very early in the scenario that my character could do no damage to any of the enemies. Like, I looked at all my cards, I was like, okay, so I'm under-leveled for what we're fighting here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a legacy game, so I was just taking on someone's character. Yeah. And right, you you were it. not briefed into what we were doing, you were no, given nothing. Uh, and then the AI of the game miraculously always targeted me. I was like, oh, okay, so these guys will mm-hmm. do this. So next turn I did something else, and they go, well, actually, they still hit you. I was like, oh, okay. Could you explain all of the rules before you do? And then I was like, well, I can't, I can't fight. But what I can do is I can run to the other end of the room and grab some treasure because that's what my guy really wants to okay. do. And then someone else at the table went, I also will go for the treasure. Like, you, you do realize I can't do anything in this fight, so I'm just going to run over there. So we had this very odd kind of standoff. I'm pretty sure I was hungover. Yeah, and then I, I'm I, I pretty sure. Say, I remember we were hungry. Yeah, I was like, oh god. So I got to learn all the rules for Gloomhaven, which is a lot. And then people were explaining me as I was dying. I was like, okay, well, they were like, oh, you did that wrong. It was, now, now you'll get hit. And I was like, okay, fine. It was generally in every single way the most unfortunate way to experience the game. Mm. I will give you that. But and then the, the, guy, the, the owner kept coming over and like mansplaining things mm. to me about like you're probably doing that wrong. It's like I don't, I don't care. You shouldn't care either. You're not in the game. You're just walking around being a dick. Uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't, like, have that game experience. And they go, wow, I can't wait to do another hundred scenarios of this yeah. <laughs> or however many adventures are in the box. And, like, you ga- came into the game. I think I had played I tw- two or three Gloomhaven scenarios before that. And I think I played one or two before I could wiggle out of it, like, after that game that you were in. And then I was just like, no, this is, I have better things to do in my life. At that time, I think I was in my first D&D campaign as well. And I was like, I oh, know I prefer that to this, even though that is a campaign I then left. I hope that none of those people are listening to this. Don't um, worry, I'll, it's only Russian bots. Yeah. I think that will be, that will <laughs> be like, uh, hoovering up these <laughs> listens. Yeah, no, but I, I left it because I can't play D&D in Finnish and also like the group was not the one for me. And then just, but even then that was still so much better than Gloomhaven. Mm, yeah. Oh, D&D in Finnish, that would be rough. Yeah. To be fair, there is the new well, D&D. Well, we could, we could yeah. all do that because at least some of us are Finnish. Yeah. Yes. There's the new D&D like rule book that is in, like someone has rewritten the basic, like the core rule book for D&D in the Finnish. Right. And I do think it's a lovely thing that they have done. It's an excellent like piece of cultural mm. like work mm. that someone has done and they've done it in a very compassionate and inclusive way. It's really, really nice. I do not want to play D&D in Finnish, but I love that it's an opportunity for people who do. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Just learn That's how I would. Mm. That's how I would love to play D&D. Maybe that's how you would learn Finnish if you didn't know Finnish, because you might be the Finnish. Hypothetically, you mean. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's how all of us should learn Finnish. Yeah. I should actually, I have had this thought. I should be playing more games in Finnish to learn better Finnish, because Finnish is the one, the, the small bits I have been proficient at have been starting to vanish. It's, it's just just really crumbling away. Yes. Now. Okay. Mm. It, it's, it, it is bad. <laughs> It's fine. Just 
just losing the ability to communicate with millions of people that you mm. live around. It's probably fine. Probably fine. Just yeah, learn. Only about five million. It's fine. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Most of them speak English. I'm in English. the same boat as yeah. you, though. Like, I'm losing my sense of identity. Mm. Again, which might be British. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Because I speak no language anymore. I am just a hodgepodge of words. Mm. You're Yeah, but you're just people of the world. Yeah. Yeah. You've made your own perfect language. Yeah, a true. melding of... Mostly English. Mostly English, yeah. Just uh, can we also can we also circle back quickly? I don't know if we if this counts as a game we talked about uh, that much, but what's the probability score of things dilemma? Oh. We kind of just talked about it. We didn't really present it, but if we had to do a probability I, score, would you bring King's Dilemma to a party? I think it's unbelievably probable. Yeah, it is. I mean, like just a few like yeah, it is beers the, in, and you'd be like, it might, I care so much. It might be the perfect pub game. It is, that is true. It is a great pub game. Again, with the right people. But yeah. if you're playing in a pub, yeah. you're probably yeah. playing with the, the yeah. right, right people. Okay. Yeah, but th- there's a caveat to every single board game is to play with the right people. It's like I mean, to be fair, there are games like, you can play with. Like I have played games with people for eight hours and not known a single thing about them after the fact, mm. and they have been fairly good games. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, but they <laughs> made the game interesting for you, and like I'm saying that like or it was a very solitary game. Yeah. I'm that saying that good. every game can be bad if you play with the wrong people. Of course, yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah. But like, like, well, like, a caveat like, with the right people. No, but True, like, but like, there are games that depend less on other people. Well, yeah, okay, like, people, so uh, like there are games that you can always ruin a game by having bad people, like the wrong people in it. Yeah. Mm. But like I was saying that people who like are the, if they were spices, they would be flour. <laughs> <laughs> Fiery people That's, is what you mean. <laughs> Just yeah. like, That's real. a hot take. And those are the yeah. people who like scythe. <laughs> yeah, got him. Got him. <laughs> got him. And us all, I assume. No. Yes. I don't know. Maybe I need to play us all just to Maybe just I, to understand if I love tiles. If it's it sounds like solitaire. I, I feel like I must have done it wrong because it is so well liked. Maybe we need to. Uh, I mean, I feel the same about Scythe because <laughs> like it ever. We should. There's, there's a million expansions. It's got like everyone loves that game. Yeah, and it's I always super high influence. Would, rather do anything in the world. But then again, it's also Gloomhaven is super high on the list and I yeah. would not want yeah. to do that. Yeah. So I don't think we, we should like do I don't like think games we are. that we bounced off. I don't think yeah. we are the average obviously not board game board, geek user. Board game geek users. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely um, not. That has become abundantly yeah. clear to me, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do some D and D stuff? I the can, last like half a I can at least like make the mention that when I at least said that I stopped playing in my first D&D campaign because and I was saying that it was better than Gloomhaven even though it was in Finnish and even though it was the wrong group, like crowd for me maybe this is more of a teaser for future things that I will talk about because I feel like half an hour is far too little for me to talk about the D&D campaign <laughs> that I am actually in that I love that chapter is. 1 of 852 <laughs> yes. chapters I actually like because prologue to, like for context, I checked before we started the po- this podcast, and I think like it was around ninety thousand words that I have written about this. I like, was gonna say, could we do like a D and D reading with you? Just do like a, a session a, report. E- either I just, could do either that. reads things to us, and then we interject. Inter- yeah, yeah, we go. Why did you do that? That was wrong, and we mansplain D and D to uh, the mansplain episode. Yeah, you yeah. mansplain D and D to me specifically. That's yes. the I mean, person that's played the most D and D. I mean, that's a way to get on trending. If mm. we just get people hating us for mansplaining D and D. Yeah, but the the Russian bots love us, so yeah. it's you know yeah. swings and roundabouts really. But it's like because yeah, like I have it's 
to be fair though, like I was, uh, I got a comment last week because I've been saying that my one greatest love in the world is long sword fighting, and then D and D is the second greatest. And then the actual DM of the campaign I have been mildly neglecting due to sword fighting was like, yeah, D and D has been a bit envious or jealous recently. I was like, yeah, sorry, because I've been kind of not writing my logs and I haven't been playing as many games as I used to because I've been doing so much sword fighting things. Is this a, hum- a-, a humble brag no. of being a great D&D player, mm. but also yeah. a great sword fighter? I'm on, no, I'm, I'm shit at both. <laughs> uh, I really feel better to hear that you've been neglecting even D&D to do sword fighting, because now, now I feel less neglected that I wasn't the only one put, put aside. Mm. Yeah, when you started sword fighting, <laughs> everything has been like I stopped cyboxing. I've like D and D has been falling out, and like I see friends less because everything is sword fighting. And mm. like mm. this will, fingers crossed, get less bad after Helsinki Longsword Open, which I will now plug because I have been given the platform. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone mute that mic. Yeah. How do we? Uh... Because, uh, in case people have made it. What, however far into the podcast this is and have any interest in sword fighting, I am organizing Helsinki Longsword Open, which is a HEMA tournament, so hel- historical European martial arts with... I think we all knew what HEMA was. Yeah, 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 you didn't need course. to explain. Yeah. Not to this room. Mm. <laughs> Not to this crowd. And we have five different like uh, competitions in the tournament. It is at the end of January in Helsinki, hence the name. And Oh, yes. oh Helsinki. Yeah, sorry, mm. I write that down. <laughs> to be fair, like when I signed up for the first Helsinki, my first Helsinki Longsword Open a year ago, when I signed up for it, I thought it was just a small local tournament with a fancy ass name. Mm. This year we have 120 people from 17 countries. Wow! It's the World Cup meets the Olympics. Yes, of mm. longsword, of, of, and, of kicking and the shit out of people of, of in sunny Messer. Helsinki in January. Yeah, it is gonna be great. Yeah, no, no come for the swords, stay for the snow? you know other pubability. Yeah. Mm. What is the probability of a longsword? Zero. Oh yeah, instant arrest. Mm. Instant. You couldn't. You couldn't sword in a pub. Yeah. I think I could. Neither of you guys could. Well, no. Hang on. Because I look like I look harmless, and I look like an anime character. Oh, do, you wait, guys do, look... do you think that Tom and I look threatening? Look, <laughs> sure. You're in a <laughs> room with a couple of alphas. <laughs> you but look like an incel with rare, a sword. There's barely room for two of us <laughs> in this room with yeah. such alphas. <laughs> Like, you look like an incel with a sword that is threatening. <laughs> I mean... That's I mean, such a slap. I mean, I mean fair it's enough. such a slap. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you know that I have plenty of sex. <laughs> uh, on your own doesn't count, by the way. I tell you what, there's going to be a very strongly worded review on 4chan after this, Eater, that's, <laughs> that's going to be heading your way. <laughs> very strongly worded, indeed. Mm. So, D&D. <laughs> 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 or were you not finished plugging the the, the sword? No, I, 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 and also we can cut that. I, I don't think I did a very excellent job with the D and D campaign. I actually do play in. I have played in for two and a half years now, and it's a West Marches campaign, which is something I find very cool. It is as compared to like the at, at least to my understanding, the normal way of normal way of doing D and D is that you have a DM, and the DM has either pre written like adventures or has a storyline they are writing in their head and is kind of running those games and it's kind of DM driven. In West Marches the idea is that at least in our campaign we have a loosely held group of people who are all somehow related to each other and care about approximately the same things in more of a sandboxy like environment where the players are like hey when we were at town x 
last month we heard about this witch and now we want to go see that witch. And then they say to the DM, hey, me and these three friends of mine who are in this group want to go see that witch. Would you run that game for us? And it is like, at least theoretically, a game like player driven. We have kind of a mixed or a kind of a hybrid version of that going on at the moment. But the important thing is that a normal D&D campaign has one DM and one to, let's mm. say, reasonably seven people in Oof. it. Seven Beefy. is a lot, mm. but it's like you can be a bit For fudgy with it. one thing, that's a lot yeah. of turns in the combat. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to spoil, but... If you want to hear about combat, yeah, you yeah. should hear about what they get up to. Yeah, yeah. But like, what we in our campaign, I think we currently have eight active DMs who are also which players. I, I think is a oh, crazy wow. amount of DMs yeah. to just have in a group. Yeah, as that's well. insane. So yeah, how many? Bit... Like, I guess that alleviates lots of the scheduling problems if there's so many people who like run games. You just, yeah. you just need this many people. One of eight needs to make it and then no, yeah. three out of yeah. 25 need to make uh, yeah, it. I guess this is, ab- this is about the number of players we have. It's about 25, 20 yeah. people. And like, yeah, they, obviously insane. it's like depending on people's levels of activity and like some yeah. people are more prolific than more others. Like I count myself in the active DMs and I run three or four games. Okay. So it's not like uh, across two years, but I didn't do it until the first, after the first year. By games you mean like little arcs? Or little, like, like one game, like mine were all I think I have always managed to keep them in one game, which is something that we're proud of in our si- situation because most people can't run a one shot that is an actual one shot. Uh, yes, that's, I was going to uh, say 100%. that's incredible that you made it keep, like every time we've done a one shot or I've tried to do a one shot, it's like it becomes several. I yeah. don't even try and do one shots because by the time there's the spool up time of people faffing or being late and then it's usually maybe like one fight one fight or something you get Mm. i i I prefer like little kind of mini i think like two to two to four sessions i think and this has mainly been the case with like call of cthulhu yeah i think that kind of fits that little arc pretty nicely like sort of acts in a movie like set it up Mm. bulk of stuff and then something finale ish but to be fair, like in this game, like this is set up in a way where we're supposed to have these like mini arcs as like one game or one to three games. But one of the games that I actually did join on a whim being like the day before it was supposed to start, like, hey, you don't want to do this? And like gave me three minutes of thought and said, yeah, sure. That particular storyline ended up taking two years in actual real life. Um, oh, wow. Fuck ton of games. And like we had people like it, like the first part of it took like six months or something. And one person was left in in onto Avernus and was playing a solo game for a full year with the DM, like just the two of them every now and then. I think total of like maybe twenty games solo. And game. then yeah, yeah, That's which I crazy. think are an excellent thing. And I wish I had a chance to play more of those. I will have to talk to the DMs. I didn't realize that like you could you could even do yeah. like D&D and solo. It has been an excellent thing to behold even just through the logs, but it and then we returned to that place to find that player and to save that character, but like to see the way that place had become a real place for him and the DM and the way it had like the way he had affected the entirety of that plane of existence. That must have been the most fulfilling D&D you can play. It, it, it was just... I, I mean, I, I'm i obviously on the side of agreeing with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think that's true. But I think for some people that would play more mechanical D&D, mm. maybe people that look at Gloomhaven and go, that's pretty much yeah. D&D. I, that would I don't not know. be fun. They wouldn't no. get into it. Yeah. Like, there's people that are very min-maxed 
to do a particular thing that is primarily fighting. Yeah, which is fine, which can, they can do, and it's like, I mm. understand that's their thing, but that's not the thing at all in the group I play in. And to be fair, like, my first character and the character that still kind of exists and is kind of has had a lot happen to her was a human fighter. So I should have been, like, geared for just doing the fighting. And Stabby stab. Yeah, to be fair, this also predates me doing actual sword fighting. So it's... Oh, foreshadowing mm-hmm. of, the, of the sword fighting. But like, what, what is your character now? Uh, I have again that one that then became the like I hold the title of the dumbest multi-class in the party because mm. I Perfect. took I took the strength eight fighter, which was very <laughs> great, and made her into a rogue with a like a charisma rogue like swashbuckler mm. with a charisma score of like modifier of plus zero. And then also multiclassed in the Paladin while having neither charisma nor strength. But then I have a different character who is a was the supposed to be the big bad evil guy of my one shot, and then ended up bec- being adopted by the players, and is now a terrifying necromancer with an entirely custom subclass. That's that's some foreshadowing what you, for you. What are your feelings about bone magic? Mm. You any strong feelings? Positive, I don't, negative I think feelings. I don't particularly like it. No, when I, I see it in the street, mm. I try to avoid it. Okay, that's, uh, okay. that's what I do. Well, yes, yeah. I've I've written like custom spells about exploding teeth and how you can do shit like with yeah. It, it, yeah, it, you've it been you you've really gone deep. You really I, I, swallowed I, the pill. Yeah, and, like so I never do yeah. that with other shit. No, no, you you only do a sort of mild little mm, like yes. scratch the surface and move on mm. type of things. Mm. That's that if I know something about Ita, that is yeah. that. She rarely rarely gets involved to mm. any decent level in anything she attempts. No, no. It's veneer thin. She doesn't even know the rules to D&D. Yeah, I She's dabble. just there role-playing, which isn't even in the name Dungeons & Dragons. So, <laughs> listeners, that's sarcasm. I'm doing sarcasm. I guess here's the thing. Are you in a very particular group of people where yeah. Western Marches, or West, West Marches? West, West, West Marches, marches. Yeah. Where this works, or could other people kind of do it? Like, we're sort of dabbling in RPGs, but usually scheduling is killer. So I guess the advantage of West Marches is people that are willing willing to play will set it up and then kind of hire a DM. Mm. I think I do think it is an like a system that can work and it kind of like it also would work in that it facilitates or it encourages the kind of playing I do, which is like going super deep into it and writing a lot of things. And we have people who have written songs about it and we maintain a wiki for it and so on. But it would also work perfectly well for people who are more into like lighter role play and more into like going into monster hunting and whatever, like doing the mm. like it's I think it would scale for many kinds of people, for many kinds of like is it, playing types. Is it like a ready made like package that there's like a bunch of lore already written no, from like this a is, thing? It's just all made up. This is entirely made up, but like I joined the campaign when it had been going on for two and a half years and I have now been in it for two and a half years. Okay. So and it's it almost like just it's, there isn't like a pre made no, thick ass book. No, we have like of everything. Everything is, is just, just okay. originally the one DM and why then is other it people. called Westmarch? No, Westmarch is the great system. Like that is oh, okay. it's just the way of doing it. Yes. So instead of like me going, I'm the DM mm-hmm. and we're gonna run I'm going to run Curse of Strahd or yeah. some other story, and you guys are going to be in every adventure for the next whatever until we eventually forget to do it and stop. Yeah. Whereas West Marches is more kind of, or it's set up as more episodic, and it's more sandboxy. Like and you, you, you have a place in the world, you have a pool of people that would all. Theor- I mean, if it's like twenty something people, mm-hmm. yeah. and then you go, okay, as like Ethan said, then we'll go, or there's some 
like mission board or something. Yeah, we, right? we yeah. also but, have a mission board. Yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, how can you like? So like, we we were thinking, I'm like, oh, I want to go. I heard about like a, a dungeon that I want to go mm-hmm. into, and there's a dragon there. Um, but then someone is like, we need to get a DM who needs to then like write a story about that, and kind then of, yeah, we like can the, do it. It's all, uh, it's you could also do this in a hybrid way where the mission board has these pieces of pre-written like Cars and Curse of Strahd or like existing adventures. Okay. But it also like like I said, we have kind of a hybrid thing going on where most DMs have their pet storyline that has bits that they like seed into other stories that like you run actual mm-hmm. one-liners or like one one shots, and then they have things in them that lead to other things. But it's always about like player involvement, and that's kind of the downfall of it in some ways as well, because there's at least one storyline that kind of is currently just waiting for me to have a moment to get invested in it again, because mm. my character is the person who should be driving it forward, and because I'm so busy right now, I'm not. Mm. <laughs> Sorry again uh, mm. for, <laughs> for mm. <laughs> taking up your valuable time. No, I'm too. I'm too. I'm too popular. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just do uh, like a lot of something that I maybe don't need to do five days a week. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, how I feel about my work. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. you just described capitalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. zing! What? Got him! Got him! It's exactly like scythe. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right, everyone? <laughs> yeah, this this podcast's favorite game, scythe. Yes. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we were sponsored by scythe at some point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. we have a, an ad read at the mm-hmm. end. It's like board with fins is brought to you by scythe. I would, yeah, I would, I mean, if someone wants to pay me, pay money for me to say things, I will just say them. Okay. Whereas I will pledge right now to be the moral fiber of this podcast and not do that. I would sell myself. Yeah. So it's we've got the me. ethical backbone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gesturing at you, Simon. No. And then we've got <laughs> this, <laughs> this floozy. Yeah. They can't me. Want to have a bag of money to say that you've played mm. um, whatever, whatever game <laughs> Just whatever, whatever game yeah. it is. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. Magical. So Actually. if we end up getting something that yeah. like that, if, you someone, see, if, yeah. if Simon is selling if you a game, Raid Shadow Legends wants to sponsor us. Uh, hit me up. Yeah, if, <laughs> if Simon is selling you a game, do not buy it. <laughs> no. On that bombshell, no. we shall end the episode. Uh, well, thank you for listening to our rambling nonsense about tabletop stuff. Some games we love, some games we hate. Scythe. Other games as well. Uh, I don't know if we'll have any social media because I don't know how the internet works. Uh, but Simon has told me he's got an OnlyFans going, so <laughs> something, something bored with fins. Mm. Uh, keep keep an eye out for that. I mean, I will set that up. There's, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be it's, really disappointing. It's me, me seductively with different board game components. Right. Okay. Sort um, of glamorously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah perfect. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. I, I for I one, will plan. never check that website. Yeah. yeah. So good luck. Whereas, like in terms of actually doing social media, I've already run like my own and two different other ones, so I could just add it to the rotation. Instead of having a Patreon, we just have an OnlyFans, and it's pictures of me with board games, and that's we are never going to get into the look. This is guerrilla marketing. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. But anyway, I have been one of your hosts. My name's Tom. Am I finished? Possibly. We'll never know. But I've been joined here by Simon. Magical, magical. I've been Ether. Yeah. I've been Ether? I've been Ether? I have been Ether, I'm not sure anymore. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's no. real mind bender. Alright. No. We'll see you next time, metaphorically, because we're a podcast, we can't actually yeah. see you. If there's a next time, I'm if sure there will be a next time. Let's yeah. see. Let's see. Alright. Bye 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 bye.